What's up, YouTube family? Welcome to the Link Up Church online experience. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in. Before we jump into today's video, we wanna remind you that this channel isn't just for adults. We have content for babies in the Little Linkland section, kids in the Linked Up Kids section, and relevant services for your teenagers from the plug. So grab the whole family because we're about to get started. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss a video from us. And don't forget to share this video with someone who needs to hear an encouraging message. Let's jump in. Hey, let's go. Let's do get this. Back into this today. I'm excited. Faith Lives, part seven. You all can be seated in the room. Let's go, uh, go back to our introductory statement, and then we'll kind of go through a very quick review. Then we'll pick up where we left off on last week. We're talking about Faith Lives, or we're really trying to show, teach, demonstrate what it means to live by faith. So we defined a true living faith as an active relationship with God. And that active relationship governs, governs how we live and how we behave at all times. So faith is not uh, merely a belief in theological facts. Faith is belief in a person and what he has provided for us. And I got a question. What's that person's name? Jesus. Let me hear you say it. What's that person's Jesus. name? Jesus. Jesus. Just Jesus. type it in. Let's put Jesus S -S. all through the airwaves. Yes, that's Jesus right. Jesus is who we put all of our faith in, knowing that he has already provided everything that we will ever need. And let us never forget that the grace of God that brings salvation will always produce a righteous response and behavior on our part. We've learned that four times is mentioned in Scripture that the just shall live by faith, or those that have been declared righteous, they live a certain way. They live by trusting in God and what He provided for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Our foundation text, one of the four, Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, or the good message about the anointed one and His anointed, our Messiah. It is the power of God to salvation. So any message about Christ will release the power of God for deliverance in any area of our lives for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, but also for the Greek, for in it, the gospel of Christ, right? The message about Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just, those that have been declared righteous, made innocent, shall live by faith. We're talking about seven truths. Point number one, sin is not the problem. That was dealt with on the cross. So the penalty of sin has been paid. We don't have to pay that again. Number two, grace does not give us a license to sin. Actually, Titus told us that grace teaches us to deny all ungodliness and worldly lust. So it's actually the direct opposite. The better we see God, right, and the more we realize how good He is to us, the less we should actually desire to do things that are wrong. We left off last week, be conscious of your right standing with God, not sin, right? Just be mindful of who He made you and what He made you, not what you did wrong, and that'll keep you on a path of living right and living by faith before God. And we said a lot of different things up underneath that, but let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Let's just look at that. Put it up first in the New King James Version. We talked about before you ever had a financial need, God created the provision. We talked about before you were ever sick, God, through His grace, already provided your healing. We left off talking about before you ever became discouraged, God blessed you with all spiritual blessings. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, New King James Version, I want you to see it that way, then I'll show it to you another way. New King James Version, Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Is that up anywhere? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians 1, 3. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. Ephesians 1, 3. You want me to read? You have it. Ready? Read. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from your wonderful heavenly Father, mm -hmm. the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. All right, and the New King James Version says that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. 
The Passion Translation says we've been wrapped in him. I love the way it describes it there. So I want you all to think about it this way, okay? Everything that we have ever needed is in Christ Jesus. And he's already provided that for us, okay? So, so now, these are some very powerful statements, but I want you to believe them by faith. God anticipated every need you could ever have and has met those needs through Jesus, listen to this, before you ever existed. Mm. That's called grace. That's right. Just like any good parent is going to provide for the children before the children ever show up. So does that mean then, let me get this clear, if every need that I would ever have was provided for me at that cross by Jesus over 2,000 years ago, if it's already there, it's already supplied, that means it's not predicated by my performance and what I do. Nope, not at all. It's only predicated by what you believe. Faith lives. All right, so, so now, a better way to illustrate this for you, I want you to take a sheet of paper because it really takes faith to believe that. Even in the room, take a sheet of paper, and I want you to write your name if you're able to. Just take a sheet of paper and, and just write your name on that sheet of paper, okay? My name is Joel. Just take a sheet of paper. You don't have a pen. I know. I don't have a pen, but I'm going to do it by faith. <laughs> take that sheet of paper, right? Write your name on it if you're able or believe that your name is on it if you don't have something to write with. Take that sheet of paper, and I want you to put it inside your Bible or your device, okay? Put the sheet of paper with your name on it inside your Bible or your device, okay? I want you to close it up, all right? And I want you to see this illustration this way. You are in Christ, right? You are in the Bible. The book represents Christ. So you are in Christ. So everywhere the book goes, you go. Mm. Watch this. Everywhere that you go, the book goes. I used to struggle with low self-esteem until I got the revelation of what it meant to be in Christ. I never thought I could pray good enough. I'd hear other people pray and say, man, I could never pray like that. I would just make mistakes all the time, and I just never felt worthy enough until I realized who I was in Christ. And now my identity is not wrapped up in me. My identity is wrapped up in him. That's right. Best way I can kind of describe it to you is, is this way. If I am in Christ, guess what? Everything that I am is represented by him, not by me. So that's what gives me the confidence to go out and live with such fervency because I know who I am in him. And I want you to leave with that today. I want you to really understand that. This is at the end of the day. It's not about you, but it's what Christ has provided for you. So as long as you can see yourself in him, you can walk in all the fullness of everything that he's already provided for you. So, so everything that you will ever need, you got to see it that Christ has already provided. Listen to this statement. It's going to take faith for you to believe this. Jesus hasn't saved, healed, delivered, or prospered one single person in over 2,000 years. Mm. Mm. So then... What does it mean when he says in Hebrews that when you come to God, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to those that diligently seek him? So I got to believe that what he provided over 2,000 years ago is available to me today. Am I diligently seeking him? And if I'm diligently seeking that based off of believing he's already provided it for me, That's what he I'm didn't provide it for me when I received it. He provided it for me on that cross over 2,000 yes, years ago. Yes. I just woke up to the reality of what's been made available to me. Be woke. Be woke. Listen to this now. So good. what God provided by grace over 2,000 years ago now becomes a reality for me when I mix my faith with that. That's good. And so when I mix my faith with I'm already healed, my body has to line up. When I mix my faith with all my needs are provided in Christ Jesus, that has to line up in my life. Everybody get that? So faith appropriates what God has already provided by grace. It's going to shock you folks. It'll take faith to hear this. 
But, you know, I grew up thinking, you know, my faith moves God. Guess what? Your faith doesn't move God. Your faith does not move God. He is not the one that's stuck. <laughs> Your faith should move you to respond to what you believe he's already provided for you. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's a whole different way of looking at that. So grace and faith must work together if you're going to live by faith. See, our part is to accept what God has already done. So the true living faith or the way faith lives is that it always responds to what it believes God has already provided through Christ or by grace. That's right. That's good. That is so good. So now we're continuing on with the seven truths as it pertains to faith lives. And we're on point number four. Point number four, don't confuse God with evil. Don't confuse God with evil. You know, a lot of times people will blame the fires. God, God's using the fires to deal with California. <laughs> you know, hurricanes, God's waking up New Orleans or the, the Gulf Coast. Or God took, God saw it fit to take our beloved. God takes no one. God receives them. God is not the author of death. He's the answer to death. Make it clear. Make it plain. So when we attribute bad things that have happened in our lives, saying that God did, God allowed, even the God allowed. See, the, 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 you, we allow ourselves to think that he is the one that is the author of the bad things in our life. So therefore, if we have a questioning relationship with who he is and what he does, well, of course, we're going to question him, and therefore, our faith is un unrooted. Is our faith, whatever we believe, is we we're wrapping it around something that's not true. Therefore, it's not stable. Yeah. Therefore, it can't be steadfast. Yeah. You know, I love what, you, you know, a lot of times, we, Luke chapter 9, verse 56. Luke 9, verse 56. I want you to follow along with me here in the King James Version. It says, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Okay. Jesus said, the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. We sing beautiful worship and praise, praise and worship songs that talks about how God is in control. And on one hand, you know, it's like, oh, that's sweet, but it's so not true. God is not in control. We have to give him control. God is not allowing COVID-19 to take out 100-some-odd thousand people. That's the devil. Well, you're, you're helping a lot of people right now. God, God is not allowing chaos in our political scene. That's the devil. God is not even allowing. He's not allowing the, the civil unrest that's going and social unrest that's going on right now. That's the devil. And it is up to us to make put a stop to it in our prayer life, in our actions, and in our obedience. Yeah. But ultimately, in our faith to who he is and who we see ourselves as in him. See, understand that in Genesis chapter 1, when he, we got this part, that he made us to have dominion over all the earth, every creeping thing. He gave us dominion. That's right. At that point, he relinquished control. That's right. He says, I have created the perfect beings, and I've given them choice to love, honor, and obey me. So therefore, I give them control. And in Genesis chapter 3, when it says that the serpent beguiled the two, well, beguiled the, the, the woman, and he just straight up disobeyed, let that be a lesson, but anyway, no, 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 no. The lesson is Eve was the one that was deceived, not, but, not but Adam. But he straight up disobeyed. Okay, let me back out of that. Let me back out of that. <laughs> he knew better, but still did wrong. So in other words, if, if the women just, well, I'm no, sorry, go ahead. See, get right back. <laughs> man, <don't you>. <laughs> <laughs> so understand that when, you know, when he goes on into Genesis 3, 7, and the eyes of them both were opened, 
and they saw and recognized that they were naked. That's a different naked than what we see in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. This is a different naked. It's, it's an entirely different Hebrew word there. It means to be uncovered. It means to be without. It means to be exposed. They saw that they were exposed. God went nowhere. But all of a sudden now they fell into the trap of thinking that they were exposed, uncovered, without protection. And it is at that point that they transitioned that authority and that control over to the enemy. Which is why Jesus, God turns around and says, when he's pronouncing the curse of the fall, the curse of the fall, that cursed is the ground. Therefore, you will labor to eat of it. So if God gave us control and we gave the enemy control, unless we step up in our control, he's going to take control. And if God gave humanity choice from the very beginning, even if it was the wrong choice, he didn't stop giving people choice now. Right. So it's people that choose to do bad things. It's people that choose to do things that are contrary to the Word of God. It is people who don't realize the authority that they have in the earth and that the control that they do have by Christ Jesus that make way for sin to have its way. And so we cannot control God's good for the devil's evil. God's good, one more O, to the devil's evil, adding the D. You get it? God, good, add a O. Evil, devil, add a D. Anyway, so with that being said, you know, when, when humanity fell, we relinquished this thing called spiritual identity. And we became more identified with our intellectual being. And let me say this to all of us that think we know a little something. Your intellect will never supersede spiritual. Your intellect will never supersede spiritual, even when it's spiritually evil. If you don't have a spiritual or divine download, even that which is evil, you can't think your way out of it. Sin just makes people stupid. So with that being said, again, not confusing God's good with the devil's evil. A few truths that we think you need to know. We believe God, the Holy Spirit has told us that you need to know. A, up underneath that, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, it says in the New King James, in so much, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So in other words, all the children of God are clothed in flesh and blood. And Jesus says, you know what? Let me go and clothe myself in that same flesh and blood unto death so that I can demonstrate in flesh and blood that I have destroyed the works of the devil. And in so doing, they will see that they can walk in that same truth. And the biggest work of the enemy is death. So therefore, if Jesus says, I came to give you the keys to that, you ought to walk in that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if, if Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, then why should we fear? I have no reason to fear, right? That's right. John or, chapter... Or, or why should we attribute evil things to God? So, so why would he send his son to, to destroy, destroy the works of the devil and then try to teach me something to... by making me sick? Exactly. That doesn't really make sense to me. So, so why would he come to destroy every work of the devil, which is also poverty? So why would he take use my poverty. job? Why would he use poverty to try to teach me something? Isn't that what James talks about? So, so anytime I say that I lost my job, God allowed that because he's trying to teach me something. I'm attributing something evil to God. 
Exactly. Or I get sick, I come down with some form of sickness and disease, and I attribute that to something I did wrong. It, it caught up with me. It finally caught up with me, something I did 10 years ago. It caught up with me in the form of cancer, and God is trying to humble me so I can get back to serving him. So why would he destroy cancer and then put it on you to teach you a lesson? It doesn't make sense. Exactly. In make fact, sense. James makes it plain. I didn't even write it here, but it just came to me. James makes it plain. It says, don't be deceived. God uses, does not use evil or temptation to teach you anything. That's right. Amen. Amen. In fact, he tells us that he gives us a way of escape when it comes, right. right, as far as sin is concerned. First right. John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God is manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Again, if Jesus came to destroy something, why would God turn around and try and implement it? That's not who he is. If it's evil, it came from one source, the enemy. Now, the devil and God get blamed for a lot of things that they didn't do. Natural. <laughs> Yep. A lot of times we go through experiences because it is the consequence of our own decisions. But God, but God in his abundant new every morning mercy responds to that when we are repentive and can still take even that and make it work for our good. We just have to be repentive. In other words, being repentive is a change of thought. I'm not going to blame what other people did for something that I did. So let me get myself on course. Let me assume responsibility in my repentance so that now I'm in the right line towards blessing and not in the wrong line towards perpetual curses. And he says this even to the righteous, that in our repentance we can walk in the fullness of who he is. He's not withholding it, but if our mindset is set and is not that towards responsibility and not that towards being, being right because it's right, doing right because it's right, then we are forever at a 1% degree of error and a, and a false, a false information or the false existence of who he is. That's so good. All right, let's pick up with letter B. Now, if you grew up like I grew up, I used to always think, because religion teaches you this, that every time I do something wrong, matter of fact, let me say it this way. Whenever I do something wrong, my grandparents would say, my grandmother in particular, God's going to get you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Or if I got in trouble right at school, got kicked out or whatever, and got now, now, I, I told you God was going to find you out, right? And eventually, if you keep on doing that, God don't like ugly. Mm. Anybody in here know oh, what I'm yeah, talking about? Oh, yeah, I heard about? that plenty so of times. Every time. time I did something wrong, it was God don't like ugly or, or whatever. So, so the punishment for me and the, the, the discipline was always coming from God. And I associated, believe it or not, bad things happening in my life because of something I did wrong, and God was punishing me. Mm. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. You'll be surprised how many adults still think that way to this day because of how they were raised. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 is real clear here. Letter B, Satan is the one looking for someone to devour, not God. Mm. Satan is the one looking for someone to devour. It's not God. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober. Now, that has a dual meaning. One of them is to abstain from wine. Now, I know I did a lot of stupid stuff under the influence. Yes. Don't look we, at me like that, yes, Russell. Yes, Lord. I don't look at, I'm looking yes. at, so I'm looking for somebody. Here. But I know I've done over the course of my life, in particular, it was just four years in college, I did some dumb stuff uh, under the influence. And I always had this excuse. I blamed it on alcohol. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Mm. Don't look at me like that, Tonette. You ain't been saved all your life, girl. You got them little Mickey Mouse ears on your head. I know you ain't been saved all your life. <laughs> so he says here, be sober. It literally means to abstain from wine. It means to be discreet, be alert. Now, we know in this full context, you can't take one verse like that, right? So we know when you get drunk with wine, how many know you get in trouble? 
Yeah. The judgment is off. Young people, young you, people. You make bad decisions. Come College on, Johnny folks. Walker Red. Come on, Johnny. Say, say amen to that, right? We do things that we wouldn't normally do if we, were, if we were sober. So he says, be sober means to abstain from wine, be discreet. I like this word here, be alert. Then it says, be vigilant. That word vigilant there, remain awake. Or in other words, pay attention to everything that's going on around you. Amen. Then it tells you why. Because your adversary, <laughs> an adversary is a, an opponent or an arch enemy. A adversary is someone that is against you and not for you. Then it's going to tell you very clearly who it is. It is not God. It names him, and it says the devil. Then it tells you what he does. He walks about like a roaring lion. Lion. Now, this is what we need to understand. It did not call him a roaring lion. It says he walks about as a roaring lion. So he makes himself bigger than what he actually is. He actually is a lion with no teeth. The only thing he can do is just gum you and lick you. That's it. But he really has no teeth, no power, no authority, but he wants to make himself seem like he does. So he walks about as a roaring lion. Then watch this, seeking whom he may devour. So if he's seeking whom he may devour, then there must be people out there that he can't devour. Somebody need to type in right there, I'm one of them. He can't devour me, right? So he's really looking for someone who doesn't really know he is their enemy who's not alert, who's not vigilant, who's not being watchful, who's not paying attention to what's going on, who's dating someone that's not saved, who's dibbling and dabbling in alcohol, who's playing around in his area because he's looking for this opportunity to pounce. And I looked up this word devour, and it was interesting. It means to drink down entirely. It means to swallow up. So when I think about that, Satan doesn't just want, he doesn't just want you to lose your job. He wants you to lose your job, your house, your family. Come on, your marriage. Come on, your somebody. Health. He wants your kids to be all up. So, so he's not just trying to take a sip out of your life. He wants the whole thing. That's just a sip. What Satan wants to do is swallow you up whole and drink you down entirely. Then what you'll learn about your adversary or your enemy, when he's done with you, and all he's going to do is move on to the next one. And you know what? Your job as a believer, when you're living by faith, is to make sure the minute he tries to take that first swallow, he chokes. Right. He ought to choke on your faith. He ought to choke on your righteousness. He ought to choke on your religion. He, I mean, your, your, your righteousness. He ought to choke on your commitment to your relationships. He ought to choke on your love. He ought to choke on your confession. He ought to choke and spit you right back up. Letter C, so good. Amen. Letter C, Satan's job description is to steal, kill, and destroy. His job description is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I'm going to read John chapter 10, verse 10. If you've been around for a while, you've heard this plenty of times. I'm going to read it from the King James, but then I'm going to read it from the Passion because I think the Passion breaks it down so well. It says, the thief comes, does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus responds and says, I have come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The tr Passion translation says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. So if it was taken from you, it wasn't God. If it, was, if it died and it was destroyed, it wasn't, if, if it died or ceased to exist, it wasn't God. If it was destroyed, it was not God. It was the enemy. And Jesus says, but my response to that is that I give you life and that more abundantly to the full and overflowing. Yes. 
Now, there are three tactics, three tactics. This might not be in your notes, but I thought it was so crucial for you to know and understand as we break this down because we've said a lot and we've sound, it might sound like we've said the same thing over and over and over again, but we really want, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants you to know and get this in you because we're living in a time where popular opinion is becoming God. Popular opinion is becoming God, and people are being shut up because they don't want the attacks that may come with righteous opinion. And you got to know the slick ways in which the enemy works. He, he's, he doesn't have to just use his big old facade and his big old, he's not walking around like the roaring lion bigger and, and just trying to come into your room at night like a big old ghost shrouding you and you can't breathe. Okay. That's not... The only way in which he can deal with you, he deals with us in small increments. Yep. If he could get us off just a little bit, just like in that garden, if he can get us off of that tree of life and get us over into the tree of knowledge and good and evil and make us believe that, yeah, maybe he didn't say it quite like that, then that one degree of separation ends up after a while. If you're a pilot, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That one degree of separation, half degree, can land you in another land that you never intended to go to. Mm -hmm. He comes to steal your identity by lying to you. Three tactics that the enemy uses to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He comes to steal your identity by lying to you. John 8, says, you are of the devil, your father the devil. He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning and a... a and abode not in the truth, because there was no truth in us. He, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. He, he repeats in your mind what you're not. He repeats in your mind how you're insufficient. He, re he even re resurrects in your mind how you grew up, why you can't, why you won't, why you didn't. And if he can steal the new identity that you have in Christ Jesus and keep you stuck in that false identity that he got you, and he can only use lies. He'll use just a little bit of the truth of what might have been, what could have been, or what would have been to get you off into believing that this is the way it's going to be. He is the father of lies, and his tactic is to steal your, to take your identity by lying to you. Mm -hmm. A second tactic, he wants to kill your relationships. If there's anything that he can kill, he wants to kill your relationships. Mind you, if God is love and we're supposed to be identified by his love, not towards our love towards him, not just our love towards him, but also our love towards one another, we got a target on our backs. Revelations 12:10. I love what it says here. He says, this is John saying, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And that's exactly what he's doing, accusing this one of doing that, accusing that one of doing this, and accusing this one of doing that. No one's taking responsibility and searching their own hearts and looking in the mirror of the word to evaluate themselves and saying, you know what, but I still love you. Mm -hmm. So if he can kill our relationships, some of us got unforgiveness, unforgiveness that's so anchored inside of us that we can't move forward, but we wonder why we're in the same relationships over and over, experiencing the same situations over and over. You need to resurrect yourself in the love and the fullness of who he is and get out of the enemy's camp and accusing others. Because it's not everybody doing something to you. Sometimes we got to dig deep and see yes. what we're doing to ourselves. Yes. Yes. A third tactic, he comes to destroy your faith. See, he don't care if you're, if you're saved and you're born again. I don't believe that the enemy is too big on whether you die or not because he understands that when you die, you go to heaven. Jesus demonstrated that right? That you're with the Father. D Jesus made that very clear. So I'm not sure if that's the case as much as he wants to destroy your faith and those people that are watching you by faith in your walk. So if he can destroy your faith, guess what? He has more soldiers in his army. Matthew chapter 21, I love what he says. Now, this is right after Jesus has spoke to that fig tree and, 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 and cursed it as root. And he says, verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which was done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Jesus is making it clear. This is one of those statements of truth. 
I talked about it some time ago. I encourage you to go back and listen to this series so you'll understand. But there are true statements and statements of truth. And this is one of those statements of truth which is eternal. When Jesus says, if you have faith and doubt not, you can speak to whatever you need to speak to and it'll live. So does the enemy want you to have the power, to walk in the power that Jesus has provided for you to speak to something and it live? Speak, obey, do, and it live? No. His entire assignment is to destroy. And if he, Jesus said, made it very clear, if you have faith and doubt not. So his big weapon is to stir up doubt and fear in you. And if he can stir, stir up doubt and fear in, in you, then he's got you off of faith. But I say, not so, saint, <laughs> holy one. Yeah. You are children of the most high God. And I believe every time you make a decision towards God, he's deepening your faith. He's rooting within you by the power of his word and the Holy Spirit, a steadfastness that says, no, no, devil. I will stand on the word of God, and I will believe and not doubt. Good. And experience the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Right. And that's the way faith <laughs> lives, right? Anything the enemy tries to throw at us, the way faith lives is it responds the way you just described. Exactly. Now, we're just going to go ahead and wrap up. We won't get to point number five today. Well, we'll stop right here at letter oh, okay. D. Okay, we won't get to point five. We will stop right here at letter D. But I really want you to listen from your spirits because this is <clears throat> prophetic, what um, Isaiah is getting ready to prophesy here. And I'm actually going to show you how it manifested in the New Testament and how it's even stronger today. Mm. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, uh, and remember, this is not us. This is the Bible that we're reading. That's right. So before we read all of this, all I'm asking you to do is don't get mad at us. Because we're delivering a message of hope, a, a message that we believe will uplift your spirit. But sometimes the truth is the truth. No, and not so, sometimes, all. all the time. All the time. So in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, I'll read the New King James Version. He says, woe to those he's prophesying about the end time or the last days. Letter D is the last days, in the last days, people will call evil good and good evil. See, today, we don't really know what the difference is between that because people are calling what God defines as evil good, and they're calling good evil. Mm. See, see, like if I promote this marriage, right, between a man and a woman, we're evil today. If that's all that marriage is. If that's all that marriage is. It can't, Which it is. If we're saying marriage is between a man and a woman today, right, we would be viewed as evil. All right, let's read. Woe to those, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. <laughs> now let's talk about what that looks like today. In Romans chapter 1, I'm going to read to you 26 through 28, from the Passion Translation, but let's talk about how we got there. God's wrath is now being revealed in Romans chapter 1 against all unrighteousness. And his problem was these people knew the truth, but they chose not to retain that truth in their knowledge. So they suppressed it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was one thing to know it and say, I'm going to suppress that and now go in a different direction. God sees that completely different than someone who never knew it but are going in a different direction. Mm. So his problem is that they're holding this truth in unrighteousness and they're suppressing it. The Scripture is talking about they knew God, but they chose not to retain him in their knowledge. See, a lot of Christians are being silent today when our voice needs to be heard. I still believe God's plan for the family is between one man and one woman. And I believe that marriage is supposed to procreate and, and bring additional population on the earth so that God can always have seed in the earth. Ooh, I need a little better amen in the room amen. right now. And you right? know what? And marriage is between one man, one man and one woman. one woman. I don't care if the two of you agree to sleep around this open marriage mess. It's called adultery. And adultery is an abomination. It's a sin. It's wrong. Matthew chapter, chapter 19, 9, 
talks about it over and over. Just look at Matthew, Luke, John, all of them. If, I don't care if the two of you agree to have this open marriage stuff. It's still wrong. So, so God goes on to deal with them because now they're professing themselves to be wise. God says in Romans chapter 1, they became fools because they're trying to redefine what he described as good. Mm. And when God in Genesis said that when he got the marriage, he called that very good. Right? So, so, so because they professed themselves to be wise, God said they became fools and they changed the glory of an incorruptible God into corruption. And they began to worship what God created more than the creator of it. That's right. That's right. Right? Everybody clear on that? Yes, now, let's talk about what that produced. It says, then, therefore, God gave them over to all levels of uncleanness. Mm-hmm. Now, he's talking about every level of sexual sin that you can possibly think of. And if you look at our world today, we don't know who's who today. Right. It's not as clearly defined as it used to be. Right? So now, he gave them over to all levels of uncleanness, the Scripture says, to dishonor their own bodies among themselves. Now, let's talk about what that looked like. Put uh, Romans chapter 1, 26 through 28 in the Passion Translation. We're talking about here, people in the last days will call good evil and evil good. Look at what he says here in Romans 1, 26 through 28, the Passion Translation says, For this reason, God gave them over to their own disgraceful and vile passions. Mm. Inflamed with lust for one another, men and women ignored the natural order and exchanged normal sexual relations for homosexuality. Women engaged in lesbian conduct and men committed shameful acts with men receiving in themselves the due penalty for their deviation. So what we have today, the biggest challenge that the church is facing is that love is love. Doesn't really matter if it's male, male, female, female. Love is love. I need a little help out here somewhere, in here somewhere. And, and it's even creeping into pedophilia. Where it, it has no end. It, it has it'll no just end. Keep going. It, it, it's creeping, in, and in some cases, it's creeping into incest. It's creeping in, where they're trying to find ways to legalize these things. Swinger lifestyles. Yes. I mean, it's just really. So what? What society wants are no rules. So remember, in warning signs we talked about, right? Uh, a, a lawless generation, right? Lawlessness would abound in the last days. So what people are doing is trying to confuse the younger generation to not clearly know the difference between the two so that they can just choose whatever they want to and be whatever they want to be because love is love. But but watch this. This is real clear. Watch this. I want to read verse 28 real clear. And because they thought it was worthless to embrace the true knowledge of God, God gave them over to a worthless mindset to break all rules of proper conduct. So when you see people breaking all rules of proper conduct, they have made a choice to say this good is not good. The good that God has defined for me is no longer good. It is evil, and anybody who stands up for good today will be considered evil. But folks, I came to tell you the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has not lost any of its power. It is still the hope of the world. Come on, the gospel still saves. It delivers. It makes people whole. Come on, God is good. Don't you dare get in any condemnation right now. God didn't have us minister this to put you in condemnation. God had us minister this to lift you up. And if you'll learn how to live by faith the way God has defined it, God will take everything that you've done wrong, everything that you've done bad, and he will ultimately bring good out of it so that people won't even know that you lived that way, you made those kind of decisions, because the power of God and the blood of Jesus has the ability to make your life whole, and to make your life new. But I want to be clear. 
We will never, ever bow to this world's system, and we will never bow to its ways. We will stand for what is right. We will not call evil good, and we will not call good evil. If it is wrong by God's standard, then it is wrong by our standards. That's right. Marriage is still between one man and one woman, and the only thing that can procreate on this earth is one man and one woman. The reality is, if the, what they're defining as good today is really good, I wouldn't exist because two men cannot produce me and two women cannot produce me. Human existence would no longer be present if that was good. Come on, I need somebody to say amen in this place. And the church has been silent, and we need to wake up, folks, and we need to be a voice again in this earth. And we need to fight for marriage. We need to show the world that marriage works to the glory of God the Father. That, among other things, taking prayer out of schools, that became legal, but that doesn't mean that it was right or good. Abortion, people, the freedom of choice. People had the freedom of choice when they laid down. Okay? Understand that even though the world may say this is good and acceptable, it doesn't mean that we're, it gives us license to run with it. And we got to be careful that we don't align ourselves with it becomes good and acceptable. You know, everybody talks about, everybody has a white lie. I'm not saying I'm the most honest or the, 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 the saint of all saints. I'm, I'm ever evolving into that. But lying has, since when did lying become acceptable except when you're standing in the court of law? That's not the only time that is mandatory and necessary. We already talked about the father of lies. It's those small foxes that spoil the vine, Solomon Solomon says. It's those small deceptions that are perverted that takes us down the wrong road. Emotional affairs lead to physical affairs if we don't check it from the beginning. Amen. So let's all stand to our feet, even in this room, right? And let's just lift our hands to the Father because that's a good place to end here today. Because the way faith lives, it would never call what God called evil good. Exactly. The way faith lives, it would never do that. Exactly. And so I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to repent. Says that we would humble ourselves and pray. Turn from, our Turn from our wicked ways, right? Then the Lord, he would hear from heaven. Then notice what he promised. He would heal our land. Come on, somebody. Let's take responsibility for being silent in a lot of areas where we should have been loud. And so, Father, as a body of Christ and as pastors, Father, but really as the body of Christ as a whole, we humble ourselves today, Father. And we repent for not being loud enough, Father. We repent for being silent in areas where we should have been loud. We repent for not standing up for what you have defined as good, Father. Fighting for your righteous causes, Father. And now, Father, we just ask that you would heal us first, Father, as a result of our humility. Heal us. We receive your healing power flowing into our bodies from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. You've already forgiven us, so we receive your forgiveness now. But our repentance, Father, requires us to change the way that we think. And, Father, may we become a body that fights for every righteous cause that you stand for. And, Father, the end result is that healing will come to our land. And that healing will take shape in the form of more people coming to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. More people coming back to Christ. More marriages being restored. More families being restored. More bodies being healed, Father. And ultimately, we give you the glory, all the honor, and all the praise as we'll see this manifest right before our eyes. I pray, Father, when these doors open back up, There won't be enough room in this building to get all of the people in that need to hear a word from heaven. Father, we give you the glory for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're watching right now, I believe the Spirit of God has dealt with a lot of hearts out there watching all around the country right now.
I just want you to know that God loves you. He's not mad at you. You have an adversary, and his name is the devil. But I love that verse that my wife read there in John chapter 10. I like to call it a line of demarcation. Satan's job is to kill, steal, and destroy. Notice what Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and have that in abundance to the full until it overflows. Won't you receive the life that God has provided for you today through Christ Jesus? So if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, doesn't matter what you've done in the past, he's already forgiven you for that. Just come to him just like you are, and he'll clean you up. So if you're out there today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray with and for you. Don't put off to tomorrow what the Spirit is convicting you about today. Maybe you're a person that you did, you retained God in your knowledge, but you chose to suppress that. And you chose to just go out and live in ways and do things that you know God is not pleased with. And you're saying, Pastor, I want to repent from that. I want to come back to Christ today. I want to rededicate my life. Or maybe you're not connected to a church family. Maybe you want to join Linked Up Church. You can do that all kind of ways today. We'll tell you more about that through our Get Connected card. But if you meet the description of those first two invitations, you want to give your life to Christ or you want to come back to Christ, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. If you would, just put one hand up towards heaven. That's where your help comes from. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I believe, I believe that, Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Is the Son of God. I, believe I believe that He died, he died rose from the grave, rose from the and grave. He is alive right now. And alive right now. Lord, Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my heart and save me, now. save me now. As a result, As a result of what I've confessed with my heart, what I confess with my mouth, and believe in my heart, I am right now born again, born again and in right standing with God. Right standing. And all my sins, all my sins past, past, present, and future are forgiven in Jesus' name. Praise God. Can we just give God glory and honor and praise for those lies? We know in our hearts that people prayed that prayer sincerely. They really meant it when they prayed it. I want you to take your next step, though. I want to challenge you to take your next step. Man, it would make heaven so glad. It would warm God's heart. It would warm our heart as well. If you would just follow that information on that screen, fill that information out, we have someone that will follow up with you and answer any questions that you may have. Maybe you're on a device and just not quite sure of what to do. Just type in, I prayed that prayer sincerely from my heart. We have a ministry team that will follow up with you and answer any questions that you may have. But on behalf of my wife and I, we want to say welcome to the family of God. We are so glad to have you, and we can't wait to hug your neck at some point in this journey and meet you in person. Congratulations to you. Make sure that you take that next step. Fill out that information. It's important to God, and it's important to us. Thank you so much for watching our online service. We certainly don't take that for granted. And if you enjoyed today's message and you want to get connected with us, we encourage you to become a part of our online community. That's right. And you can do that by subscribing to our YouTube channel, sharing this video with a friend, and following us on social media. Don't forget to meet us right here on this channel every Sunday for our services. If you desire to help us reach more people just like yourself and advance the kingdom of God, then click the Give button now. This will allow us to connect more people to God, their families, their purpose, and their communities. Thank you again for watching our service on today, and we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week.